Hello, everyone, and welcome to our wellness podcast. Our show today is called So My Patient Died, Coping with a Patient Loss. We have three distinguished guests here today to share their views on this topic. So you can find this guest. She's a to- total sweetheart, and she's been complete. She's completing her final year of internal medicine residency. She is married to a wonderful man and has two beautiful daughters. Uh, her name is Catherine Taralva. Say hi, Catherine. Hi, everyone. Uh, thank you for tuning in. <laughs> <laughs> so, Catherine, where to next after residency? The plan is, uh, I, so I have family rooted here mm-hmm. in Florida. Uh, specifically in Hernando County, in Inverness, mm-hmm. that area. So most likely, I'll be staying around okay. that area. Um, if ever that doesn't work, uh, I'll venture out to maybe Ocala. Okay. Or maybe I'll be here in Brooksville. Brooksville. We'll Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> what are some of your hobbies? Uh, I really like photography, okay. but that's something that I haven't done in a while. Um well, with COVID and everything, yeah, too, like yeah. we haven't been able to travel. Okay. But we used to just do impromptu trips. Me and my family just drive somewhere. Okay. And that's where I picked it up. You know, just. Where's the furthest place you've driven with your family? I don't specifically remember. That was like eight years ago. But the farthest we've driven is Chicago. That's like 17 hours. Wow. With, with your children as with, well? Yes. With oh, my children. gosh. They're so used to it. They'll come bring their eye masks and blankies and they're prepared for it. That's so cute. That's so cute. So you can find this guest roaming the halls of Oak Hill Hospital, always willing to give some very astute words of advice. He's our associate program director and medical director, and he also happens to be my boss. Let's welcome Dr. Mitsoff. Hi, Dr. Mitsoff. Hello, everybody. So Dr. Mitsoff, what are some of your hobbies? Well, there are too many. They change all constantly. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> what, is, what, is, what, what is it this, this month, Dr. Mitsov? Okay. It's raining outside. Right now, I'm boating is my thing. So I'm fixing my newest boat and be starting fishing soon. So that's the newest one. <laughs> all right. All right. So that's uh, boating. Boating. All right. Our next guest here is a first-year resident physician. He's Straight from, straight up from, Tampa. Tampa. <laughs> <laughs> he is always smiling and gleeful. He loves fig scrub, and he has an affinity <laughs> for psychiatry. Please welcome Abdul Hashmi. Hey, hey. Abdul. Hey, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so, Abdul, I'm going to ask you a silly question. What's your favorite color? My favorite color. Oh my gosh, it's very corny, but I actually like gray because. It's like not black, it's not white, it's somewhere in between, like everything else. <laughs> I would have never suspected you to say gray. <laughs> I know, you wouldn't think about it with my personality, but ooh, a good charcoal gray, oh, I love it. <laughs> All right, so we're going to delve into the topic a little bit. Um, it's a, a, a heavy one, right? Um, as we round and we have a, a whole bunch of patients, and especially with COVID, we've dealt with death, right? Have both of you dealt with any any of your patients dying so far? So I just actually finished my ICU rotation. Mm-hmm. So I had my share of deaths. Um, but this, when you were telling me about the topic, this one particular patient came to mind, not only because I took care of him, but also I know him from outside of work. Okay. 
Yeah, so that was uh, pretty hard. And um, I remember that day we had about five admissions and one upgrade. Mm -hmm. And I was dealing with our admissions and the other senior was uh, dealing with that upgrade. And as he was rolled to the ICU, he pointed at me, but he had a BiPAP on. So I wasn't really sure if I had knew, if I know the patient, but uh, the senior that um, had upgraded him was beside me. So I thought he was pointing at her. And she also said, oh, it's okay, you know, I'll see you in a little bit. So as I was printing out the list in the, uh, for sign out in the evening, I was going through the names and I saw the name. I'm like, oh my God. So it was him. And that was just very, I felt like, um, you know, this is very real. People, they, you know how they were saying like a pandemic or something. Yeah. But this is very real. Yeah. And at that point, I was like scrambling for like information. So I went in the chart and it, he was on my side of the ICU anyway, so I'll be taking care of him in the morning. So I looked at the chart and I saw the CAT scan and it was horrible. And I knew that two weeks ago he had been admitted for COVID and he was discharged and then he came back and came back to the ICU. So at that point, I was like, um, this is bad news. So you kind of touched on it a little bit you know you knew this patient outside of the hospital mm -hmm. so you kind of had maybe a little bit of a shared um, experience with him right yes how how did you feel um i was very scared for him and the first thing that came to my mind was what now of his wife you know if something were to happen yeah so I actually called his wife when I saw, after I was looking at his CAT scan, and I was just giving her an update because uh, she couldn't come and visit and see the patient. Mm -hmm. So every day I was calling her, and every day that he was deteriorating, um, I kind of prepped her. I said, it's not looking good, and you might want to tell family about the situation. I take it he subsequently subsequently passed. Yeah, he right? did pass. And the thing was, the day that we made him DNR, CMO, so the family came up, I was there. I was there when they said goodbye, which was very heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, so I told them, okay, I'm going to go in and talk to him. And um, they were outside the glass door. And you can tell... Um, you know, the, the patient was uh, telling me or making, doing actions and was trying to say, get the tube out. It's very uncomfortable and she was just doing this. I wanna like, I wanna go. And so I looked out the glass door and you could see like, the, it was very heartbreaking. The, um, the daughter and the wife were hugging each other and grandkids were there too. And um, no, just knowing the family was also very heartbreaking for me. It was, a, it was very hard for me to deal with the situation. How, after you've experienced all of this, you know, because mm -hmm. it, it's, you were quite involved in the situation, what were some of the steps that you took to, you know, heal from this experience that you had? 
So I think as doctors, people expect us to be strong, you know, but we are just human beings. We're not immune to death. We're not immune to hurt. And um, I think because I'm one of the lucky ones that have family close by, so, you know, surround yourself with family. And I think me time is also very important. I think you should uh, give yourself time to grieve too and kind of process everything. So after my, that was my last week of ICU. So after that, um, I still would wake up at five in the morning for ICU. So even after my ICU rotation, I would go, I would have some me time. I'd go uh, have breakfast by myself, kind of uh, de-stress. But I think mostly what helped me was being surrounded by family and also talking to his family. Uh, I checked on his wife a few days, a couple times, a few days after he passed. And, you know, we shared some fond memories of him, and that kind of helped me. That's, that's and, wonderful. That's and wonderful. There's, we always have questions like, uh, could we have done something more? Of course. Was there something that, you know, could have helped? But in the end, I think accepting the fact that you don't have control over everything, that also helps. That's very, very, very important, Dr. Taralba. You're, you touched on quite a few points that are important when dealing with death, you know, surrounding yourself with family, talking to other people, and as well, just, you know, there's always that feeling, could we have done something more? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I feel like in all of these situations, you know, there's a spectrum with how familiar we are with the patient. On some, it's that we've barely known the patient, yet we've had all this interaction with their family and become close with them in that regard. In others, it's that you didn't even know them at all. You get a patient that morning and you find out that they died. And in others, it's that you've like had a very long time and developed a relationship with the patient in the hospital. Um, I mean, for me personally, uh, I've never had the experience like you did, Dr. Tralba, where you know I know the patient that's dying, but for me, I feel like with all of my patients, I end up developing this like emotional connection in a way. And that also makes it difficult so often, even if it's not death itself, but the process of dying, knowing that they're going down this downward spiral and that it very well could result in their death, you know? So like to echo a lot of the things you said, I feel like the parts that help me cope with it are either looking at the positives or looking at the survivors, their family, everyone else, and you know, how they're still able to celebrate the patient's memory, or if they're not dead yet, the uh, the memories that they had together that are still happy. Um, you know, those are the parts I think for me that definitely help more. Being able to celebrate, to like look at the brighter uh, sides of it all, essentially. So, Doctor Mitzaf, uh, Doctor Taralba here shared a very touching story, and um, Doctor Hashmi as well gave us some of the points that he took away from from um, Doctor Taralba's story. Can you? Tell us or give us some information about uh, what happened to one of your patients and how you dealt with it. Okay, well, uh, let's start with that, that I've been dealing with dying patients for the last 20 years. And I've been through multiple heartbreaks, seeing what happened to them and their families. And it's, it's especially when a young doctor. It's very hard to go through this uh, feeling of loss and then within five minutes uh, facing a new patient, 
that is now recovering and feeling better, he's ready to go home, so he's happy, go lucky, and you carry this burden from the dead just happened. So it's it's hard to compartmentalize and be the best doctor you can be for the next patient you see. As far as uh, story, I have uh, multiple stories to tell. Uh, but what I want to talk a little bit about the the blame that you feel that you didn't do enough to save your patient. And throughout the years, I realized that we are put in a position that we, we cannot really be responsible, so responsible for the blame of, of the death. And the, the way I was thinking the other day, how can you understand this best? It's like you're thrown a crystal vase that you gotta catch in the last second. And if you don't catch it, it will burst in a thousand pieces, and that's what happened when patients die. But guess what? Even the best cannot catch the crystal vase all the time. So, and that's part of your profession, to try to understand the, 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 the deeper philosophy of life, that we being the doctor, you are not solely responsible for what happens to your patient. That this is the last of multiple events that led to this particular uh, development, and now you're just there to comfort, to support, and to, to, to be there with people that are left behind and help them to deal with the loss. So, and you cannot learn that. you got to live it because ev every time you face people dying, you face your own mortality. And it's it's hard lesson to learn. But... To be a good professional, that's that will be my advice. You cannot always catch the crystal vase. There will be time, they will burst in pieces, and you're the last in line. So it's not your fault. You've got to do the best you can do. You've got to be supportive to your family, and the life goes on. Dr. Phillips. <laughs> So you've touched on a couple of points that I find very interesting, Dr. Mitzoff. One of them is, you know, we're, we're, not, we're not gods at the end of the day, and we're, we're called to kind of sh um, shepherd people, right? Almost. And, I, and the other thing that you touched a little bit on was the guilt that is associated when a patient passes away. How, how do you um, tell us young physicians or youngish physicians, uh, how can we deal with you know, dealing with the guilt? All right. Well, not easy. Uh, but we gotta accept your imperfection as human beings and gotta be humbled about who you are and what you are and what you can do. Because there will be numerous occasions in which you'll have no idea what's going on with the patient, and I can tell you this after 30 years of practicing. I first started in 1991, that up until to this day, some patients have no idea what's going on from beginning till the end. And we just try to kind of keep the, the ends tight together and try to do whatever we can do to keep them alive. But the deeper 
understand comprehension what's going on sometimes is completely missing and that will be the rest of your life okay you'll never be able to know it all doesn't matter how much you try and all you can do is just stick to the basics try to maintain all the system in the best possible uh, circumstance and as far as the guild goes you always carry it but you gotta manage it because guilt will take you nowhere. What you need to do is just refocus, start to read more, talk to your colleagues, try to figure it out, but ultimately we humans, we have limitation and we will fail at times. And that's always I'm trying to tell you, you, you can always care, if, even if you cannot help. I was going to ask, you know, you've uh, said a lot of insightful things on like how to move forward, you know, to to still care for your patients essentially instead of like staying in guilt. Um, but you know, what other type of uh, advice do you have for coping essentially in these situations? All right. Well, not in this situation. I'm trying to tell that you got to cope as being a doctor. Mm. And the best way to cope as being a doctor because we constantly dealing with our patient failing and dying or not doing well and we failing to to try to get them better and try to heal them so you gotta find a way to switch the medicine off and do hobbies and i highly advise that they may be different <laughs> they not may voted, change voted. <laughs> we don't have a book <laughs> but it doesn't matter <laughs> I can tell the one of the biggest thing first thing is cars. You guys was the rest <laughs> cars was the biggest thing and that's perfectly fine, but you gotta find a way to switch off medicine completely and focus on your internal right brain health and chaos and be relaxed and don't don't go back to medicine until you have to because if you stay deep into it eventually will will drive it to depression and eventually you, you you will suffer again i keep seeing the same example but we've been throwing crystal vases every day multiple of the time you cannot catch them all some will burst to million pieces and there's nothing you can do about it and you cannot carry the guilt for all this you're just one of many in line. We are one of the last circumstances that happen to a certain patient, and you cannot care the blame. And you gotta find a way to decompress, be out of it, and and focus on hobbies. Hobbies are are soul revival tool that you need to have to survive this profession for, for years to come. Thank you so much for these insightful words, Dr. Mitzoff. So what about you, Dr. Felix? What were your ways of coping? Oh, my ways of coping. So uh, you, I know I've been here for a little, a much shorter time than Dr. Mitsoff, but my ways of coping are some of the things that he has mentioned. One of the things is just kind of disconnecting for a little bit. I remember when my first patient died, you know, I spoke to my to my family members, my loved ones about this and um, I spent some, some time in reflection knowing that I, I, I did my best. It might have not been everything, but it was my best at that point in time with the tools that I, were, I was given. The other thing that I also did, you know, a lot of us are guilty of it, especially when a patient 
passes away, we go over the chart, like <laughs> try, to <laughs> try to figure, figure out, out did I miss something? And I think that's that can be toxic. It's okay to just kind of it's I've done my best and I'm okay with what I with, with the work that I've done and with the tools that I had with the information that I've had, because there's no point in playing you know quarterback or um, money more than quarterback where you like look back and say oh yeah well, I could have done this. You didn't have the tools at that time. You didn't know. You didn't see the entire picture. And the other thing um, that I do as well is, you know, I have hobbies. I paint. Um, I, When I can, I, I take long walks, things like that. And sometimes I, I, I play piano or or I, I sing. I'm very artistic in that way. So kind of disconnecting and finding other ways to kind of channel that, that energy into something more positive. Okay. Um, I know that you, not Doctor Hashmi, you haven't had any any patients pass away yet on None you. While I've been uh, working, I have found that, like, like for example, like weeks after I get off service, like I'll hear you know someone talking about a patient in the workroom, and I was like, oh, what's that patient's name? And then they'll say, and I'll be like, oh my gosh, that was my patient yeah. like, weeks and weeks ago, you know. And um, you know, in that situation too, it's funny because I'll feel the same feelings of like, oh man, if I had thought of ordering this test then, if I had order, thought of doing this then, if I had asked like just that other question, yeah. then maybe we could have caught something a little yeah. quicker. But I think it's also worth noting that any in any situation, you can feel guilty enough if you have enough anxiety about it. Yeah. You know, so reflecting again what you said, Dr. Felix, I feel like as long as you truly believe that you have done the most that you could have done in that moment, yeah. that you're still working hard and still trying to find solutions and doing justice to your patients in the moment, then there isn't much else you can do besides learn. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, and like you've just said, every situation is a learning opportunity, good or bad. And it's just taking these moments and reflecting on them and doing your best, right? Um, there's one article I kind of wanted to share with you guys, and we're uh, as we wrap up here is that um, on a physician's practice uh, magazine, it's called "Coping with Grief: How Physicians Can Deal with Patients' Death." Um, it mentions a few ways to kind of deal with how if a patient passes away and how to turn your experience around. One of them is that we have to create a safe space for when a patient dies and a safe space for all of us to kind of talk about it, talking with the, the, the entire team that was on the patient's case. And if that's not possible, finding a person to speak about it. Um, a lot of us is our family member. Normalizing grief support is also important. Validating emotions of, of, of sadness, of, of guilt, of, of failure. Those are things that are important. And letting go of guilt and prioritizing self-care. And this is what Dr. Mitsov touched on. So these are all things that uh, we as, as, a, as a team can all do here. Cool. Thank you for joining us here at, in this program. I sincerely thank you, Dr. Taraba, Dr. Hashmi, and Dr. Mitsov for providing some stories and insight on how to deal with grief when a patient dies.